Good evening, everyone. I was bored, and so I thought I would do a writer's table. Um, Got a little housekeeping to do. Um, First thing up, tomorrow is the last day to submit your project file um, for a rough trade in November. Don't test me. I will kick you out of the challenge. (laughs) Just, you know, do your thing. It isn't even hard, okay? I promise it's not hard. It's actually a lot easier than it used to be, at least from my point of view. Um, uh, It's really super easy to do. Don't fuck around. Do your thing. If you're having problems logging in, let me know. Don't. It's actually, since I'm actually running the site, it's my damn job. So if you're having a problem, you need to let me know. Don't worry about bothering me or, you know, being a pain in the ass. Everybody's a pain in the ass. Join the club. Um, But do let me know if you're having a problem. Seriously, let me know. Um, Because I can't help you if I don't know about your effing problem. Now... Let's see what else we got going on. For those of you who are in Minion Headquarters on Facebook or on the Writer's Table on Facebook, I did put together a writing calendar that starts November 1st all the way through the end of 2019 with all of our various stuff in it. So go over there and check it out and download it. Um, I am thinking about doing another version of this with a bigger margin on the left side. So if you want to take it to Kinko's and get it printed and bound, it would be easier to do. Um, So if you're uh, interested in that, you might want to wait a little bit until I get all that situated um, so that you won't have to do it more than once unless you just want to do what you got. Um, Also, we're coming up on the end of signups. 1031, which is also my birthday, um, 1031 um, is the last day to sign up for Quantum Bang. I actually have mine currently, my, my calendar currently in a report binder, um, but I think it would be better if it was a little off-center. I'm very OCD, so I centered the whole damn thing, but I think that was a mistake because there's not enough margin on the left for binding. Um, and also, I think that I might want to put some aligned pages in it for extra notes um, so that you guys can just take a whole PDF package to like Kinko's or UPS store or whatever and get them to print it and bind it for you. Um, And so that way it would just be very functional and useful. Um, So anyways, so I currently have one I printed out at home, but it's not in color. My cute little owls still look cute in black and white though. Anyways, um, What's that binder thing called, that binding thing with the with the prongs? Still? A spiral bind. Yeah, you can get that done at Kinko's or um, at the UPS store. Um, anyway, it is pretty cheap. It's pretty cheap to do. And it's even pretty cheap to print, um, even with color, because it's not a very big booklet. Um, even if I put line pages in it, I wouldn't want to make it over 25 pages. Um, maybe do like aligned page for months that we have a lot going on like directly behind it so if you need extra room for notes maybe reorganize that section down at the bottom so that it has lines so that it'd be easier to write on um but uh that was just my first try out with the calendar and i was really excited to get it out but now that i've got it out i feel like i have other ideas <laughs> so you might see a, a part two or a volume two <laughs> anyways um, and also, I think we wanted to add something to the calendar for next year, I think, um, which if you've already printed it and you don't intend to bind it, you'll just have to maybe, like, uh, 
um, reprint one month. Or you can just write in the event. You can look it up on the thing and just write it on your copy if you don't want to print out that page again. But it'll just be like one page. And there, yeah, and there obviously there are events coming up that are not listed on our calendar because we just did. We focused on man, um, on minion events um, and not on outside events like the NCIS bang or any of the other big bangs that don't that aren't part of our little um, our crew. You know, so all the bangs and stuff that are on the calendar are just just it's just our stuff. You know, not the outside stuff. Anyways, <clears throat> anyways, I. Uh, I, I do have a problem. Um, I didn't. You see, here's the thing. I actually hadn't planned on having a podcast, and so I don't. I didn't have enough tea made. Normally, when I'm going into a podcast day, I make sure that before I get anywhere near the podcast day, I at least have hour. I at least have a half a gallon of tea ready. Just it's it just I never drink a, ha- a whole half gallon during my podcast, but I do have a whole half gallon ready. I don't. I have about twelve ounces of tea, eighteen ounces of cold of uh, um cold coffee. So we'll see how this goes. It might not be good. I don't know. <clears throat> Anyways, um so. I think that's all the events we've got going on, but the big, but the big one is I think I've got like five dangling um, authors on um, doing project files, and the project files look great. Um, you guys did a great job with them. I barely had to do any editing, um, <laughs> and I really, you know, honestly, when I first started doing Rough Trade, I would hold. Um, and not add members until everybody had signed up. And that was a real big hassle. So I really, um, it's much better now that I I add people in like sections. And so there are people getting their rough, their their project files up while others are still signing up for the challenge. So it spread the work out and it's not nearly as um, or um, aggravating as it used to be because Honestly, there is nothing more aggravating than coming into Rough Trade and seeing 25 pending posts, and you know that 65% of them are going to need editing. So it's great. I think also the front the front end posting has really helped a lot with that as well, as far as um, shit goes, as far as you know the, the formatting and everything. But um, so yeah, we're uh, one day out from project files, and I think six days out, right? Six days from from Rough Trade starting for November, November first, National Novel Writing Month. Um, I'm not saying I can't bolt a half a gallon of tea in two hours. I'm just saying that at my age, that's not a good idea if I can't get up and go to the bathroom when I need to. Because I'm just saying. <laughs> But it is disconcerting not to have my tea. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> I can't actually, I used to have a headset that I could move around my house on my podcast, but now I'm tethered to my computer. So I can't actually um, 
like mute the podcast and just walk around with my headset, um, I would have to get up and leave. And so sometimes if I do have to do that, I come back and whoever's on the other end of the line with me, I have no idea what they're talking about because I've been gone doing whatever I had to do. <laughs> I'll be like, yeah. <laughs> I have no fucking clue what they said. <laughs> I, Julie, I have to tell you that you're probably one of my few friends in my life who has not gone to the bathroom with me on the phone. Because I'm one of those people, if I'm on the phone with you, I will go into the bathroom. I'll take you right to the bathroom. <laughs> I have no I have no shame. <laughs> Anyways, <clears throat> no boundaries. Let Letty Holder and I have no boundaries. Um <laughs> Well if you feel left out, I can call you later. <laughs> anyways anyways so i thought we would do a writer's table because i really had no fucking clue what kind of um theme i wanted to do and um so there you go so here we go um if you guys have any questions that would be really fucking fabulous um but uh i uh actually had plotted my whole nano and then i had a a a kind of an epiphany about the the central focus of my idea and how the thing is is that it's really easy to fall into that that trap of um exploring um bug john in stargate uh and so and you know the thing is i always kind of include it It, it's always in the background um but that was more of an accidental incident in Stargate where, but I wanted to do something really intentional and focused. And so I came upon something else. And um, in my head and I've been working it out and I've got, uh, there won't be any serious plot changes. It's just a foundation of my, of my um, world building is a little bit different, but as far as the major events go, they'll stay the same. It's just, it's more about the mutation that that happens to the people of Atlantis rather than the actual events that take place in the story I'm telling. Um so uh I um so I've been I've been the I've I've been writing my themes down and cloud plotting a little bit to make sure that all my stuff still lines up and it does. I just had to to rethink my my whole world building a little bit, you know, just, just under the skirt about how um, how they would be structured uh, and, and as a society, uh, what would be left of them after um, the experiment ran its course and, and, and how they would be organized um, and all that stuff. So it was really interesting, um, but also a little, like, oh, this is too late to make any changes. It's too late. But it really isn't. I just had to stop, you know, I stopped fixating on the problem that I created for myself and just handle the solution. So, I actually haven't gone to the bathroom by myself since I got a dog. Unless the dog isn't in the house. 
tell you. Um, I don't normally shower with my dogs in the house, um, but my Siberian Husky, um, he was kind of cry, whiny. And so I, I, I left him in, and I got in the shower. And I don't think he's ever seen a human being in the shower before. He freaked the fuck out. It was like he was trying to rescue me. <laughs> I had to crate him to finish my shower. <laughs> yeah, that was um pretty annoying. Um Ellie's asking a question about graphics. Um, I think in fandom there's a kind of a a line, you know, between fan art um, and um, and copyright. So you need to be careful. Um, you can claim fair use as long as you're not um, making money off a project, you know, which is, you know, obviously something you would not want to do with fan fiction anyway. Um, but it's always best to try to find royalty. And if you're a member of PhotoJet, which is like my, uh, my name is Kara, and I'd like to um, admit that I have a PhotoJet addiction. Um, if you're a member of PhotoJet, they actually have a set of royalty-free pictures and images you can use. Um, so you don't have to worry about it too much. But just, you know, be careful. Um, and err on the side of caution and um, try to look for uh, but NASA just just released a whole fuck ton of space images um, that are um, public domain that's another term to look for look for public domain images and that will be really helpful as well um I'm writing that down. Uh, <clears throat> okay, Desert Poet, Poet has a question. I have a question. Julie and I have talked about this too, but I'd like your opinion. My world has genetic mutants, and my world building keeps wanting to go to a really dark, go really dark because humans suck. What things can I build into my plot to keep that from happening? Um, one of the things that I went into the mind. I think this is actually one of the reasons why Sentinels are known is such a popular trope in the Sentinel fandom because it allows you to build in legal protections um, and uh, social structures for Sentinels and guides and just have it in the background as part of your world building foundation and you don't have to worry about it anymore. Um, when it comes to, like, if you read, if, if you ever read The, um, the Air of the Angels Breathe, which I wrote, um, as a kind of like as a thank you to Dances with Gary for some awesome art she gave me, um, John um, mutated as a child. And there were a whole bunch of children who were mutating, and the government was taking them. But Patrick Shepard, John's father, refused to part with his son. And he spearheaded um, the mutant rights movement and fixed it for John's generation so the government could not claim them as... Um, property they were actually human beings and needed to be treated like human beings so by the time john was an adult um mutant rights was the norm and so 
there was no question of whether or not he had rights. So I think if you don't want it to go dark, what you have to do is build in rights and protections that are very established. We're talking 50 to 100 years established. Because that way it takes away a lot of the um, the urgent threat of new legislation or new rules. You, you know what I mean? So uh, the older the protections are, the more normal they are, the less likely they are to be violated as far as stuff like that goes in your writing. Um, but there is – but see, there, there, will, there will always be an element – even if you have all these rules and all these laws, because humans do suck, there will always be an element, and I think it would be disingenuous not to acknowledge that. One of the things um, that uh, kind of crops up in the background ties that bind is the ownership laws um, that would make submissive slaves again. Um, and it kind of snakes around in the background because I felt like it was an, it would be an issue that is, a, is realistic. Now, I would never allow it to pass in my universe because I don't write slave fic and never would. I don't write it. I don't read it. Um, and um, so, but it was it was a realistic detail to have in the background lurking as a possibility to to acknowledge that that kind of mindset would still exist. So I think that it would be It would be important not to dismiss race, um, racism or xenophobia um, as as issues in um, in an AU where there are mutants and humans uh, because it, there's going to be um, human beings um, flock together like to like, and there will always always be those who are threatened by what they consider to be abnormal. That's just my personal opinion on that. But you can but you can gloss it over if you have an established set of if you have a standard of behavior that is normal and acceptable. I don't know how I put that down in my notes. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, but racism is a mandatory warning on RT. So um, if you do have issues with with discrimination, um, please mark your stick appropriately. Um so that we don't have any uh, readers who who lose their shit. Um, Sorry, I had a pickle. (laughs) It was a very sour pickle. (laughs) Anyway... Next question, next question. Um, what I would also say, Desert, about your um about the, the dark places and the and the, the dark thinking and 
the discrimination and the discriminatory language um, is that you might want to establish, establish a set of words that you, that your characters would consider slurs um, and uh, and language they find acceptable, language they don't find acceptable, um, and uh, be careful how these words are used and who uses them, is that because that becomes a matter of characterization. Something talking into a vacuum. Someone's got to talk to me. Hello. What What are you doing? Me? I'm cooking. Yeah. Oh. I'll put you back on hold, then. <laughs> hey, don't worry cooking? about it. Wait. So far, I haven't Wait. gotten to the actual... Well, what are you cooking? Um, It's going to be pork and uh, cauliflower, yellow squash, mushrooms, onions, Yellow bell peppers mixed together with a little bit of sake. I don't know. Food. <laughs> She's having if you're food. You're nice. I'll take I a picture have, of it. I would love a picture of it. I had grilled salmon, and um, which a lady holder would not eat. And I had um, not a fried asparagus. I had sauteed asparagus, which lady holder would not eat. And I had wild rice. <laughs> wild rice I'll eat very definitely. The asparagus is is extraordinarily iffy with me. I've had some that I like. I've most of it I don't, but I try it. <laughs> you just lose me at the salmon. Barbara had loaded so. baked potato soup. Was that homemade? Because I love loaded baked potato soup. Homemade soup, anyway. I do anyway. my own baked potato or homemade um, cream of potato soup. I don't know how many times, and I've actually given some to Barb. And as if I remember right, her daughter adores that soup. I can't ship it, though, babe. Yeah, but you could give her the recipe. I've given Let's it see. to her like a couple times. Sahara has chicken had chicken stew with leeks, but that was really good. Um, that sounds interesting. Oh, she had brown rice. Brown rice. How healthy of you. Azure had grilled chicken and sweet potatoes. I watched this recipe of Chef John on YouTube. Um, uh, where he did a sweet potato souffle, uh, souffle. I want to try that so bad. It looks so good. But I want to do like a sweet version with like cinnamon and brown sugar in it. And so I have had a question for burritos. you. Okay. Well, that sounds like fun. Um, I've never actually eaten uh, sweet potatoes because I don't actually like to smell too much. And the thought of most of the dishes I've seen with sweet potatoes, which is basically marshmallows and sugar, tends to put me off. Are they any good like normal without all that well, extra candy shit? I like a sweet potato with butter and um, cinnamon because the cinnamon's kind of spicy. You mm-hmm. might try it that way. But um, Chef John, when, when he did his sweet potato souffle, he did a savory. He did um, red pepper... Uh, Cayenne pepper and salt. Hmm. And um, it it looked really good. I have to say, it looked really hmm. good. Um, yeah, I'm expanding our food horizons because we've been. Sahara hmm? agrees. She said forever butter and cinnamon. I don't particularly like marshmallows on my sweet potato. Um, I like to bake them, put a little. Um, 
cinnamon on them and some butter, good to go. Hmm. Well, I might try them one of these days, but honestly, every sweet potato I've seen that I've been introduced to, you know, because we, we've had potlucks at work and, you know, it's it's coming up on holiday time, so sweet potato dishes show up and it's covered in marshmallows and sugar and I'm looking at it going, thanks, I'll get my day back coma somewhere else. It's already kind of sweet. I don't think it needs the sugar personally. Now, do, do hmm. you like a souffle? Um, haven't had many of those. Mom was a, mom was a very good plain cook. Dad hasn't gotten into into the souffles yet. I make a really awesome gouda. Oh, I love gouda um, souffle, but um, <laughs> it would not ship well either. <laughs> but no. I'm I'm really interested in the sweet potato souffle, and I think I'm going to try it. It, it looked really really fucking good. Um, anyway, I'll let you get let back to your steak. And um, okay, thank you. Okay. <laughs> Let, I, let I, I will go. get that on and, and I'll, I'll post the, the the meals that way you can see it and cross post over. But I'm I'm listening, so go ahead and go back to the conversation. Grab Jilly if she's available. Is she available? <laughs> okay. Yes, she is. Okay. Okay. Cool beans. Talk to you soon. Bye. I almost hung up on her. <laughs> I almost hung her up. There's like three buttons. I, I almost took the X with, like, thrown her off my show, uh, which would have been terrible. Um, but Chef John is on um, YouTube, Food Wishes. If you go to if you go um, to YouTube and put in Food Wishes, it's his most recent video. Um, I think it came out today on 10-24-2018, for those of you who are listening to the future on the podcast. And it was a sweet potato souffle. And it looked so good. Uh, my mouth was watering by the time he got finished with that video. And I don't even normally like to eat. Scales for me, it's like a seasonal thing. Like once a year, I might like them. But I was like, I need to go to the store right now and get some sweet potatoes <laughs> when I finished that. It looked really good. And Jeep put up a uh, video. I clicked on Jilly's mic, but I'm not sure where Jilly is. Um, I'm right here. Do you eat sweet potatoes? They're not my favorite thing. I did have a sweet potato thing. Somebody, I, I do not like the, the marshmallow thing. Right. But there was this one year I went to this friend of mine had a guest for Thanksgiving who brought this sweet potato dish. And it was mm-hmm. it, it had these candied pecans on top. No marshmallows in sight. It was like the best thing I've ever put in my mouth. Um <laughs> It was it was sort of like a casserole maybe I don't know I think I think he called it sweet potato casserole, but it was um, it was amazing it was sort of salty sweet kind of thing it was, it was incredible, um, but he said it's a family recipe and they do not share with anybody like ever like it doesn't matter, um, I mean he's even there have been recipes that he's wanted from friends who he won't even barter it to get a recipe he really wants. So it's like, I've never understood that mentality, honestly, is people who hoard a recipe, unless you're in a restaurant business. But what good is one hoarded family recipe if if you're not in in the industry of making money on your food? It doesn't make sense to me. But people Hmm. do that. Uh I've seen it since I was a kid. I've seen recipe hoarding since I grew up, but I've never understood it. If somebody likes something I make, Checked on the recipe. Here you go. Have fun. 
this this souffle looked really good. And I love a souffle anyway. Um, and I especially love a, a cheese souffle. But I, I was watching this, and I was like, this looks, like, amazing. My aunt makes a sweet potato pie that has um, candied pecans on it. That sounds so good. Really good. Mm. Um, I'm sending you a poke to see if you want to, since nobody has any questions. I'm sending you a poke to see if you want to do this. In Messenger, because that's where I poke people. That's something you brought up to me. I found it. I hunted. I was like the question hunter. Oh, is that one of the questions from my Ask Me Anything page? Yes. I wanted to save that for like one of those two question podcasts. Okay. Okay. So, we have to come up with questions, people. Questions, questions, questions. <laughs> questions, questions. Um, I'll tell you a little thing while I'm waiting for somebody to have a question. Um, I avoid the spam folder on wild hair like the plague. I come over here. It is, it is ridiculous. Is it adult onesies? I've been getting a lot of adult onesies lately. <laughs> Let's see. Um, oh, oh, but I did get a blackmail threat in my 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 um, one of my professional emails, um, telling me that I had to sign over that I had to send them eight hundred and twenty four bitcoins. Was it five hundred and thirty? It was a very specific weird number. Five hundred twenty. Five hundred twenty. Five hundred twenty bitcoins because they had um, a webcam video of me masturbating. I don't even have a webcam. But it sure isn't thing. pointed at me when I'm masturbating. If I did have footage of myself masturbating, I would not be embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Well, and there was this assertion in the video. The other thing was this assertion that if they released a picture of someone, a video of someone masturbating, Sending it to all of their friends and family, which like, would how would they their know lives. that? That would ruin their lives. That these it, this is the day and age where masturbation ruins people. I was like, well, at least we've progressed far enough, and that's not going to happen. I got one phone call from my aunt busybody asking me um, some crazy question. It would be like. Something she saw in the background or my nail polish color. It wouldn't even be about the masturbation. <laughs> That's how little it wouldn't even matter to my Aunt Busybody. <laughs> I love your curtains. <laughs> Are those new? Who's doing your manicure these days? Ellie had with her question. Okay. Um... Did he did the care? I have to I have to clarify one thing. The, the character because I need to use the full name. Did the character Kavanaugh in Stargate Atlantis? What was his canon first name? Was it was it Peter? It I believe Peter, it was, was Peter. It, it wasn't. Peter. They had two Peters. They had Peter Groden and Peter Kavanaugh. 
Yes. Yes. And it I was, believe that Peter. both Peters were kind of like a Peter thing comes up in SG-1 as well, because there was a Pete. And I think it's um, because of uh, Peter DeLuise. But anytime they have a character like Pete, <laughs> Peter, <laughs> <laughs> something. Yeah. Okay. So Ellie's question, and there's, I did feel like I needed to use his full name. Um, I'm adding in the name here. Is Her question, should I kill Peter Kavanaugh? Um, how do you decide who to save and who to kill when you are picking random people who need to who need to die? Okay, um, I didn't think I could just say, should I right. kill Kavanaugh? You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, well, usually if somebody asks me if they should kill that character, I would just say sure, yes, uh huh, but. Um, take it a little bit more seriously than that. Um, my body well, count for my story is going to be pretty high. Um, yeah. For the criteria for who who will die and who will live, it, um, there, it, there are two characters that... Uh, <laughs> That in canon were explicitly incapable of receiving any kind of genetic therapy. Um, they just didn't work on them. Um, as for the ATA gene, and I'm going to have to kill them both. And I'm on board with killing one of them, but not the other. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> because as far as world building goes, I have to say, okay. This person, this person, this person, this person, and this person, they couldn't take the ATA gene. What happens when they're forced to, t- they're, they're exposed to this cocktail that's, that's been brewing the, um, on this virus that Beckett created? Um, and I already know that there's going to be a percentage that die. I see, Ellie, yeah, you have the same thought I did, right? It's, it's, I don't know what to do with it. Um, I'm, I'm on the fence about, uh, I'm, I'm definitely going to kill Kavanaugh though. Peter Kavanaugh. Uh, <laughs> and I'm um, going to kill Weir. Um, but I'm on the fence about Raddick. And because, you know, there's this, um, it comes down to, uh, what's believable. And when you infect an entire population of people with a virus, um, you have to accept that there's a mortality rate, who lives and who dies. And if you only kill the people that you don't like, that's not realistic. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to kill, I mean, I had to make a, um, in one of my stories, I had to make a decision about me dying, which was in um, South of Atlantis, I think. Yeah. Um, I didn't want Peter, Peter Groden to die. I like Peter Groden. I was super irritated when he died at the end of the first season. Um, so I set up a relatively plausible, I thought was a relatively plausible reason why he wouldn't have been able to go on that mission. And I'm like, okay, well, somebody else is going to have to die. And because it was just one person, it was easy for me to throw my least favorite character into the proverbial shredder and let them go down with the wood chipper. Um, 
But if you're killing multiple people, it does become suspect when only the people who are annoying or disagreeable wind up dying. Um, So, yeah, I mean, on the other hand, I would have a hard line at some characters. And um, I'm afraid that at Raddick is one of my hard lines, Kira. <laughs> I couldn't write that. I couldn't write that. No, what's the matter with you? <laughs> I don't want to write it. I'm just, um, and I have a couple of ideas, but what it boils down to is, um, is his survival realistic. Yeah, because you don't want your you don't want a plot that you've invested, and this this is a thing is you don't want a plot you've invested a lot of time and energy into coming off as contrived. Because isn't it improbable that all the characters you like managed to survive, you know, and everybody else died? On the other side of it, you do need to be careful about this is. Um, terrible um let's be careful about who you kill in a in in fandom where um there are precious few characters of color mm, yeah true um because the last like, thing you what want the to hell? do is destroy Aiden your Ford? diversity <laughs> like did they have to you know turn Aiden for right. a drug addict, drug addict and then right <sighs> A criminal drug addict? I mean, really? Is that what we had to do? With with? I mean, it couldn't have been somebody else. It couldn't have been. Oh, I don't know. Kavanaugh. He couldn't have been the criminal drug addict, right? Or Bates? That would have been interesting. Oh, <laughs> you just gotta be careful. Um, and um. Well, Bates is some sort of minority. I don't know what, 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 but he's not. Right, he's not. I wouldn't necessarily call him uh, substituting out one. Yeah, I know, but Bates is an asshole. (laughs) 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 But, right, but but for serious, be careful with um, characters of color about killing them off or making them cannon fodder because it'll make you look like a racist. That's just blunt. That's just to be, to put it bluntly. It's also true if you are a slash writer, killing off all the women. Don't do that. <laughs> Although I do have I mean, this um, AU idea where Raw punished Earth by releasing a virus that killed all the um, women. Um, or was it, I forget, and, but the Asgard, uh, Asgard or Janus, um, decided to shape, to, to save humanity, but, so by the time the Stargate program happens, well, the whole planet's just full of men, and some men can carry babies. <laughs> so Janet Frazier is a man, and his name is still Janet, <laughs> because names no longer have gender. <laughs> Because gender doesn't mean anything. Gender doesn't mean anything. But I never really, I, I never wrote it. But uh, if you are you, if you are doing a virus AU like I am, 
you don't want to kill off all the women if you're a slash writer because it makes you look like a misogynist. I mean, it doesn't mean you can't kill any. It just means you have to be keep things proportional, right? It, if there's only going to be one death, it doesn't matter. Except unless you unless okay, here's here's where one death matters. If you've got one female on the cast and the one death is the woman, or when you've got one person of color and the one death is the person of color, then it it starts to matter. You look like an asshole, at the very least. So. Just think about it. I bet. I mean, if you've got, you know, if there are, you know, there's usually not half. So there's never, there's usually never half of women. Half a cast is. It's rare that half the cast of a show is women, and it's certainly rare that half the cast would be minorities. So, um, but even if it was half, you, you, then you could like just, just you wouldn't want all of your deaths to be from one gender or one, you know, ethnic group. Just be careful. Just, I mean, I don't want you to like one hundred thousand percent focus on your optics, but but do keep them in mind. I mean, I read something, and I don't think the person. Um, in t- I, I never read anything this. I couldn't tell if it was deliberate assholery or not. I mean, it came off like assholery, okay, but I couldn't tell if it was deliberate or not. But it was this story where something bad had happened in the school, and it wiped out the math club, right? It was like the math club was meeting, and they died. Okay, fine. Except then there was a comment said in all seriousness about how there were no more Asians left in the school as a result. Oh, my God, that's so racist. I know. And I was like, is she oblivious to how racist that was? Uh because it, it didn't come off like a joke. Everybody seemed to take it very seriously. So I was like, was she, was she, was she really oblivious to that? But, uh, but I, I, get, I mean, she seemed, I don't know. It was really, it was one of those things. It's like, you kind of wanted to ask, we're like, are, did you mean this as an auction? I mean, you're, are you meaning your characters all to be a bunch of racists? Because honestly, just because a character comes across as racist doesn't mean the author is racist. But with something like that, you usually want to have somebody call them out and go, yo, dude, that's what's, what's the matter with you? Are you racist or something? That's kind of – you want to have somebody check somebody who makes an obnoxious comment like that. But it was just – it was so – it was so head tilty. I was like um, – I'm like, I don't even know what to do with that. I feel very uncomfortable here. Um, I don't call out other authors, but I sort of was tempted because I felt like a little bit like she was like really oblivious, but oh, I just kind of walked away from the whole thing. But yeah, unless you're writing a virus that specifically targets women and it's a bad thing, accidentally killing off like all the women in your story just looks really suspect. <clears throat> so just just mind your optics. But yeah, definitely kill Peter Kavanaugh. <laughs> he makes Rodney unhappy. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, one, you know, if, if you, since it came up, if you don't want to spend your time focusing on your optics, think about them before you start writing. You know, it's like, like think like about. I accidentally just logged out of the chat room. What the hell? This is one of those freaking email. I mean, I never know what my um, password is to Chatwing. It feels like it's like a, um, do I have a password to Chatwing? I'm pretty sure I do. But think about what your Yeah, you do because you're an admin. Uh, yeah, I have to have its password. But uh, think about what your optics are before you start writing. And if you know you're going to be killing people, and let's say you're going to kill five people on a show that has got two women, women and, and, and one black guy on it, okay? Um, maybe one of the women is 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 um, maybe Japanese, but maybe that's the only Japanese character too. So you've got maybe a Caucasian woman, a Japanese woman, and a black guy. So you've got two women and two minorities, and the, everything else is white dudes. When you're making your – if you're aware ahead of time, just go, okay, these, these people, just remove them from the death pool if at all possible. That way you don't have to focus on it when you get into the writing. Unless there's a, just a really compelling reason why one of those people has to die. For instance, it's someone's girlfriend, and it's a compelling internal motivator if there's a death. I mean, sometimes you just can't get around that kind of thing. But in general, if you have choices, just think about that kind of thing up front and pull the, some of the, you know, pull, pull the underrepresented groups out of your, your possible casual victim pool. But I do I do recommend that even um, if you're a plotter or a planter and, and, and you're going into a fic where you, where you expect to have a, a a high death count, that you make a list of people you can kill and people that you shouldn't kill. <laughs> yeah. Characters. You should make a list of characters <laughs> that you can kill and characters that you should not kill. Well, I... There, I don't mind redeeming an asshole character, but there has to be something interesting about the, about the asshole character for me to want to redeem them, and I find nothing interesting about Kavanaugh. For me, Kavanaugh is like the epitome of um, white male entitlement. Yeah. I'd just rather just get rid of White <laughs> American male entitlement. And there is a difference between white dudes from Canada and white dudes from America and white dudes from Europe. I mean, the white American male is the most entitled motherfucker on the planet. Prove me wrong. Isn't that the I'll truth? wait. <laughs> but Kavanaugh did make assumptions about his position on the expedition um, based solely on the fact that he was American, um, that he was male, and that he was white. That's how he was written as just someone who's in, who believes themselves entitled to everything. Yeah. And so he's an easy person to want to get rid of. But if you're looking for, okay, so the way I would approach – Random death. Okay, so let's say um, I was doing a virus release on Atlantis. 
I would start with how many people are on the city and then, and then figure out what my demographics are. Probably female, male, and the, I probably wouldn't go much beyond that other than saying I'm not going to kill Aiden Ford, probably not Bates. You know, identify a few people that I would leave alone. Figure out what my demographics are. So let's say I decide that um, the military is on the city is 80% male, 20% female, and that the um, scientists are, I think realistically, probably maybe 65, 35 male to female, and then get yeah. an account of how many men and women are on the city, uh, both military and scientists, to so break it out so that I know, determine the method of release of the virus. So is it going to be more likely to be hit in the lab? Is it going to be more likely to affect people in corridors? So are soldiers going to be more likely to be hit than, you know, if it's, if it's, if it's in the corridors and it's not in rooms? Soldiers are probably going to get hit higher, a little bit higher than um, scientists because they're more likely to be on patrol, da, 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 da. And then from there, you're going to know how many. And then if I, so if I say my death count is um, 60% of the people who are exposed, and it just basically works the math out. And then you'll know the death toll based upon the demographics of the city. So if... 80% of the dead are going to come from the military, and it and the virus is not any more particular particularly deadly to men or women. Then 20% of the dead are going to be women, and 80% are going to be men. That's the way that it's going to come down. So it would be suspect if half the dead were women, right? Because on Atlantis, okay, so just in general, realistically, if the virus does not discriminate based upon gender, if half your dead were women, that was incredibly suspect because there's no way half the military are women. And there's right. no way that half, half the scientists even are women. It's probably, like I said, about 65, 35. So if you figure out your... On my the, that, end, uh, I've made my female death count with the Athosians the people, the expedition and the crew of the Daedalus at 12%. The rest of the casualties are male. So 12% of the fatalities are women or 12% yes. of... 12% of the fatalities. And 32% die, or 33%. So... Across the board? So, it doesn't, yeah. so if you get it, you're 33% of people who get it die. Yeah. Okay. But there are a lot more men out there than women. So um, unless something is more difficult for women to survive for some reason, um, it, it is always strange when, when viruses take out a lot more women than men in scenarios, places where. And so it does come across looking a little bit strange. So is that, is, is that, is that percentage too high? What twelve percent? No, I don't think so. Right, because you've got the explosions <clears throat> as well, right? Right. They, they would have more the highest. Them. Right. They would the have females. the highest yeah. ratio, you know, percentage of that. They're they might. I mean, I don't know for sure, but they look closer to one to one, um, as opposed to the. It actually probably would realistically twelve. It might even be lower than twelve percent of all the women deceased if it wasn't for the presence of the explosions. But they aren't, yeah, I, but 
um, they aren't taking people out there into Atlanta based upon I, – I don't imagine that they took any military out to Atlantis who weren't combat assets for the most part. I'm sure they have people who could fill multiple roles, but I just don't imagine now, that they see, really took a bunch of cooks with them. I assume the exact opposite. I assume really? that the military would be basically controlling – would would be in charge of all of that. Um, it really surprised me that they had they they had civilians running the control deck on Atlantis. Well, I, no, Chuck's not a civilian. He's um, he's actually in the Canadian military, or he's a Mountie. Um, the food service that would all be military maintenance, uh, city cleanup. I mean, all of it. I don't see how they could justify bringing any civilian to Atlantis who wasn't a scientist. No, I, I think, think I don't think I, I think it'd be I just don't think that my my rationale is it's not that I'm saying that I don't think the military are the ones running the mess. I agree. I'm just not sure that it would be the normal situation of where like you have the 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 people who run the mess say on an aircraft carrier. I don't think they would tap those same people to go to Atlantis. No, I imagine they probably used um, marine cooks just like they do in the mountains, marine yeah. air force personnel. But yeah, I mean, I which is why I don't, don't think there's a there's not a single civilian on Atlantis outside of the Athosians who isn't a scientist. There's no justification for oh. that, and because Atlantis is essentially a military base. No, I was I was talk, there was a comment in the chat about that the, the ratio of men to women in the service side of the military is sixty percent female to forty percent male, but I just don't think that they would tap people who were primarily um, um, the service side of the of the military to go into a, uh, into potentially what could be a war zone. They're going to tap people who have at least some combat experience, which I don't think would be, which would, I don't think that would prove that ratio out of 60-40. I think you'd still wind up with 80% male to 20% female, unfortunately. And maybe most of them would be on the, on the service side, which would be unfortunate. Um, but, yeah, I, well, what, what military assets we did see on the show, there weren't a lot of them. There were some, but there weren't a lot of them female. A lot of, most of the extras that I remember weren't female. The the SGC itself is male heavy, um, very, which I think is um, probably one of the more unrealistic aspects of the Stargate universe is that um, how precious few females there appeared to be in uniform. But in but realistically speaking, um, Ladyholder wants to talk. So I'm going to shut up <laughs> and let the woman who actually served in the Navy have a comment. Tell us about this. <laughs> okay. Okay. Here we go. Okay. Okay. Poke. So poke. Poke. Um, most, I'm going to use my ship as the example. Um, most of the people who did service uh, portion of it, admins, cooks, um, the repair stuff, we all, and I did communications, we all cross-trained so that way we could stand um, guard on 
the, the, um, the quarter deck, in other words, where people came on board ship, okay, people were cross-trained to be um, um, MPs, okay. There was a lot of cross-training, so that way people were trained to be able to handle weapons. Not everybody oh, did, wait. okay, but one, you were encouraged pocket, to pocket. do so. One thing. I Pardon? recently had a commenter ask me what an MP is. Um, an MP is a military, is military police. police. Yeah, okay. Because somebody asked me about it, and I, I never mentioned it again, so I, you just popped it into my head. <laughs> military police. Okay, yeah. go ahead. Military police. <clears throat> okay. So um, while the the thought of somebody who does um, the mess specialist job as being um, – or SS using in using the SG universes. You're right, Jelly. Security forces. While um, while an, uh, somebody who does the mess specialist stuff is, you think they're they're just strictly a cook. They're going to stand watch, okay? And where they stand watch is not always going to be the kitchen. It may be they have a, a patrol that they have to do, okay? The military life isn't just an, an eight to five job. It's anywhere from twelve to sixteen hours, and then you sleep for eight hours, and then you go do it again. So, okay. say the guy who's on gate patrol on Tuesday, he could be in the mess on Friday, cooking mashed potatoes. Um, Sunday to Sunday, your job your for your your rate is you are in the mess. Um, peel, um, peeling the potatoes, doing salads, making sure that, that all your stuff is done. And then after your shift, which might be from 4.30 a.m. until noon is over, you don't get that time off. You have an additional perhaps, you know, four hours where you go and you do a patrol. Your day doesn't end just because. Okay. So you can and go from one job to another in week in the same day. Yeah, and somewhere in that week you might have a whole day where you're going to be doing something. Okay, especially in a small limited pool of people like that. You know, and most of us have have given Atlantis a 28-hour day anyhow, or at least an elongated day. So you know, you use what you've got, and everybody learns how to use a gun. Okay. So um, the I can see people using Cooper as the example, and her, her crew pitch-hitting um, to do a lot of the internal patrols because they're there all the time. They're always walking the halls. They're always doing something. Yeah, so it's it's something to, to take into consideration. People people would stand watch. You know, they might have a twenty using a twenty eight hour day. They might have a twenty eight hour day where, you know, they're going to be doing watches on the gate room. You know, and then they're going to be doing something else. And oh yeah, you're still doing your job, but you're also standing. You know, a watch here and there. And yet you get really tired afterwards. <laughs> But it's something to think about. So, so sorry, so Julie. When you're looking at the crewing of Atlantis, um, 
one of the things I brought up in interim is, you know, that they didn't bring enough personnel to actually have mm-hmm. enough people on duty to do guard duty and gate room mm-hmm. duty and cleaning and um, exploration mm-hmm. and cooking for 200 people. It was just a ridiculous mm-hmm. small amount of military <clears throat> when they had no expectations of somebody like Rodney working in the kitchen. I wouldn't let that man in the kitchen anyhow. Um, well, he could be very good at it, but that isn't the point, right? That they did that they yeah, had no, no expectations I, of the scientists being in the kitchen cooking, mm-hmm. yet they did not put enough people on the roster to actually take care of the expedition. And you know, you also have the thing of, and it was completely swept under the carpet because, and and it was done this way through the entire run of SG One and Atlantis. Every time that there is a foothold situation and you've got corpses, somebody's got to clean that up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I would not have wanted to be able to clean up on duty after the storm. I'm just saying, between the people mm-hmm. that he killed and the people that got electrocuted, I would not. No. Yeah. I know. It's gross, but it's, it's something that, Yeah. I was I was never questioning the idea that there are military assets in the kitchen and mm-hmm. in the um and doing work that is not combat. That was never the my question. My I I didn't agree with the idea that what Atlantis's staffing ratios would reflect modern military reality of well they have to start women with something. Non- yes, they have to start with something, but it doesn't mean that um, that that's what we saw reflected in the Stargate program was 60% oh, well, no. in non-combat they positions. Plan to feed those people well, properly. <laughs> but also, what, what I'm thinking is, is... Go ahead. Go ahead. What I was thinking is that um, it's sort of like, I was thinking that in terms of how they, you probably see it reflected a little bit more like a SEAL team. Because there, when I did like a bunch of research into, and it was a little bit difficult to get numbers. When I did research into how SEAL teams function, there are of course a SEAL team is not just composed of the active combat assets. There's the mm-hmm. the non-operations people, the people who are not out there, who are not actually Navy SEALs, who are on these huge SEAL teams of like 180 people, and they are. It seems like from what I was reading, their ratios are off of the rest of the military norms, being that they are skewed male heavy, even in their non-combat positions, which is where I was basing my idea from that they would skew that way in most special forces type situations, which is what I assume something like the Atlantis expedition would be, is that they would treat it more like a special forces type assignment rather than being posted to something like an aircraft carrier. And traditionally, we have a hard time getting into special forces. In right, and I, don't, I, just yeah. don't, I just don't see it being reflective of the military mindset that they would treat Atlantis like an aircraft carrier as opposed to a special forces position, which is the way it comes across to me, is they're treating it like an elite combat position, being in the SGC, as opposed to like being on a ship. So that's why okay, I said so, it doesn't make sense to me that the 60-40 ratio would, would play out with 60% of these positions would go to women. It doesn't, doesn't seem realistic to me. I haven't been in the military, but didn't reflect the research I did into special forces. 
So what I'm going to say is um, you're probably right that as far as the um, combat section, yeah, that would be, I would expect that to be more like, um, you know, 90-10 for male to women or men to women, okay? Um, for the Atlantis um, unit that originally goes out, if you do, you know, let's say 100-100, 100 military, 100 um, uh, civilians, I would expect that 85 to, to uh, people in the military side to be male and only 15 women. And those 15 women would, might be one or two combat assets, but the rest of them would be doing all the other jobs. Okay, what amounts to all the housekeeping and behind-the-scenes stuff because you... you you want your guys to do something else, you know, if you can do it. Yeah, I, I don't. That makes you know, if, you can, terrible, if you can figure uh, out a way to shave it down even. I but know, I it's think incredibly if you moved into, but, say, season two or three, when they started having regular trips mm-hmm. to Pegasus, that there might have been more women added on the military side at that point. When yeah. it stopped being a one-way mission, mm-hmm. this is yeah. also some sexist shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was all. That was that we got started. I just I had questioned the idea that sixty percent of the non-operatives on the city uh, in the military would be women. It just doesn't. It didn't gel in my head. But that was just because I was in my head. I've always treated Atlantis like they're treating it like a a combat post, like they would a special forces post, like you would treat like where you would send a SEAL team or. Um, force recon marines, and you just don't even in the in, even in the non-operative positions. From what I had read, having no personal experience with it outside of family members, I just don't see those numbers bearing out sixty forty. I mean, maybe in on a military base, and maybe on some mm-hmm. ships. Although it seems like even ships they'll skew heavily towards men. Um, my ship, submarines. My ship had a thousand people. Heavily towards yeah, men. my ship had a thousand people. Okay. okay. Um, well, submar- submarines when I was in were still male only, so it was 100% guys. Okay, and so everybody who was the, the behind the scenes people, if you will, which you know it's uh, rather front and center with with parts of the navy, um, they were all guys on board ship on on a submarine. On my ship, we had roughly a thousand people. Okay, and. Of those thousand people, roughly one third of them were female. All right. That that kind of surprises me that there were that many. (laughs) Well, the USS Frank Cable AS40, which is my, which Mm -hmm. was the ship I was on, was a submarine tender. Okay, and so we were the ship that, um, to use an example, uh, we had a a submarine. uh, tied up uh, to us on the side, and they were getting resupply. They were getting some minor work done, and their people were having some R and R. And somebody had an industrial accident. They cut off a finger. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I know it's a, it's really grisly, but they got that guy off the submarine onto our ship, stabilized in our medical bay, and then sent on to the hospital because we were on Guam. All right. So the um, the thing is, is that the USS Frank Cable has a dentist 
actually they have several dentists, they have an operating theater, they have a complete medical bay, um, their various maker spaces, if you will, the places where you can actually build stuff there. If you supply them all the parts, they can build a submarine. That is right. so cool. And <laughs> it is very cool. They also can store a lot of, of nuclear material, and they hold drills for it because a lot of the subs that we have are nukes. And so they have to be able to store this stuff. And, you know, it's a lot of the people who do these jobs, medical, dental, the admin side, because you have to be able to keep track of everybody's, you know, where they are in their career, a lot of those people are female. A lot of okay. the people who did the job of making stuff are also female. Huh. Okay. Not because, um, you know, people, we didn't have guys to do the job, because we did. All right. But, but it was they saved the men for battle. They saved the men for more of the front line, you know, um, ships, the, the cruisers, the, the, the stuff that is actually going to see active combat. The cable didn't. Right. Now, I can, see, I can see that, you know, the discussion would be we're going front line, you know, we're going to be out of touch. Realistically, we don't know if we're going to be coming back home, so we can't pick 100% male and get away with it, okay, because the sheer level of no that would come down from somebody, probably we're for calling every male in the in the military command a sexist pig would would happen. So they would probably pick as many females in the non combat facing positions as they could get away with. And that's how I would staff it if I was doing it. I can't um, actually imagine that anybody would call anybody on the carpet about meeting any kind of gender. And I don't imagine Elizabeth Weir would care when it came to the military side of things because she didn't seem to care about what was going on in the military side of things. So if they'd taken 100% male military assets out there, I don't see that anybody would have. In the Stargate universe, I don't see anybody kicking up a fuss about that. Any kind of exposed, I could see a 100% military, male military operation raising eyebrows that where the staffing numbers were made public record. But in the Stargate command... I just don't see it raising eyebrows that they sent only men out there. If that, I don't, it's not what happened. We know that's not what happened. But if mm-hmm. they had only sent men, I don't see anybody raising any red flags about that. But I do see it becoming an issue after it was established and there was regular communication and transport between Atlantis. If um, mm-hmm. Because Atlantis is, uh, is, a, is a combat position. Um, and mm-hmm. you get um, you get rank increases and pay increases with experience. And so, if you're in the Marines and you're in, in and you're in the Mountain and you're not on a gate team and your ass wants experience, then your ass wants to go to Atlantis. And if you're being told you can't go to Atlantis because you're a woman, someone's filing a complaint with somebody. Mm-hmm. The other thing yeah, to think I about think- it is, and go ahead, Julie. No, I I agree. I think once once they it became a a posting mm-hmm. where it was, I mean they had to probably keep they had to probably have some fantastic lie about where everybody on the Atlantis expedition was posted, um, mm-hmm. and if they had all had to been MIA'd, 
they'd have had to have some really big excuse for what had happened to all of those people after a couple of years. But yeah, once they had regular communication, I could see that then changing. But like for that first year, for the first part of the expedition, I, I can't, it just, I don't see anybody kicking up a fuss about gender diversity. Well, certainly not we're. Yes, no. Well, we're might not. Weir is, is interesting. I can see, um, let's be honest, you don't want to send a hundred men on a mission. Honestly, I would not have wanted to be on that mission as a woman. Mm-mm. Don't put no, me on an isolated good. planet by myself with a hundred men. No fuck, no fuck you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> And well, the, the no, women, I, the, the women scientists would have had a fit. Okay. The other thing well, to think about this is, I know, I know, Jilly, you're using the the, the special forces and the, specifically the small, um, well, relatively small um, process of of how the the um, seals do it and and how you know other special forces do it. But you also have to look at it in some ways as um, how the Marines fielded their bases for Desert Storm. All right, and women were there from the very beginning, serving in combat. And yes, most of them stayed on base, but they did the stuff to make sure that the guys could go out and do the patrols and make sure that they could come home and be safe. But not I didn't okay. say no women. Most ignoring My- is that the Atlantis mission was entirely voluntary. Not a single military yeah. or scientist stepped through that gate that was not a volunteer. And all the volunteers came out of Cheyenne Mountain and Area 51 and McMurdo. So there would have mm-hmm. been a wide variety of people who would have volunteered. Right. And I, some I, of them would have been women. I'm just, I, I never said there were no women. It's not even, it's no, not no, even no, canon no. that there were no women. I never said there were no women. I'm saying that I don't think that it would have raised any eyebrows if there had been no women. Also, I don't think it's any worse to be, um, I don't know. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't, where am I going to stick my dick? Well, considering they're not supposed to have any fraternization, I don't think they could legitimately kick that up as a, as an issue. But I wouldn't want to be ten women out with ninety men. No, no, I would not. Any more than being one woman out with ninety men. I mean, it it no. the ratio is it the ratios weren't great no matter what. Um, but so from a if I was from a female scientist, I'd have been like, you know what? There needs to be more military women on this mission. I'm yeah. not comfortable. Uh, that, if anybody was going to kick up a, a fuss about the ratio of men to women who went out there, it would have been female scientists who weren't weird. Because you're right, weird didn't seem to give a shit. But it it as has always been my head cannon. It's always been my head cannon. Oh, whatever. It, what is that? It looks terrible. <laughs> that chicken. Thank you so much, Jilly. Well, I, it's it's very teeny tiny, and it's. Oh. Oh, it's cauliflower. Okay. Okay. That looks good big. It 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 did look weird small, but it, but it looks good big. I need it. Okay. Uh, so I mean, I, well, I'm going to be eating it, but yeah. Very small, and with me far away from my computer, I was like, "What is that blonde blob <laughs> that just went up on the screen?" <laughs> 
but it's been my headcanon always that, that, that for that first year that it was about twenty percent military assets for the women. Um, yeah, that was a that was a pussy drought. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> not really. I'm not sorry. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't expect. Yes, they're squashing at the mouth. Um, I don't expect that there was much in the way of um, women there, and I also expect, frankly, that even though they might have had a lot of um, volunteers, that they had an upper age limit too. Okay, not because um, they were trying to be ageist, but just because you want people who are healthy and you know not going to croak at the first opportunity. You know, and, you know, maybe, you know, Jack was nice and slipped a crate of flashlights in. Who knows? <laughs> so I Ew. think probably Sumner was the oldest member of the expedition. Other than maybe a random scientist or two, yeah. Well, they could afford to take out, you know, about, you know, military, I think, you know, especially if they were combat assets who were older than maybe. But, I mean, it's a scientist because the military at least does fit reps, right? I mean, they have. The scientists, that was the talk what they were getting with this. But you know what, though? It's just too bad they killed the only adult in the pilot. (laughs) No shit. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that Sumner was the only adult that went through the gate. <laughs> he was adulting. Everybody else was just. <laughs> Raddick tries mm-hmm. to adult through the whole series. He tries to adult, but, but no one lets like no one lets him adult. He keeps getting sabotaged. Every time he says this is not a good idea, he like gets overruled. I mean, and it's it, like lo and behold, it, it's not a good idea. His tagline for the series should have been "I told you so." <laughs> you know, actually, one of my um, one of the one of the reasons why I I really started to loathe Elizabeth is during the episode um, when it's uh, Grace Under Pressure when Rodney is in the um, jumper under the water and Raddick didn't mm-hmm. want to go and she basically emotionally blackmailed him into going. Hmm. He was afraid, and she, uh, she, I wanted to stab her. Now, I was confident John would take care of Raddick, but Raddick wasn't. (laughs) Yeah, it's, um, there's a lot of things, there's a lot of, um, yeah, there's a a lot of cross-examination. Did we answer your question, sweetheart? (laughs) I don't know. If you want, I'll exit off so that way y'all can get back to talking. I can eat my dinner. Okay, have fun with your dinner. It looked really good in the big picture. I am. (laughs) Yeah, when I went looked at it on Facebook, it looked very good. But that little teeny tiny picture we had in in the chat, (laughs) I was like, "What is that?" (laughs) And is it okay? A little blonde and anemic. That's okay. It did look a little good. Yeah, that is a good description. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Enjoy I'll your talk food. to you guys later. Yep. Okay. 
did we yeah did we um answer your question <laughs> well uh, who to kill i mean it's just the question was who to kill um well should you kill kavanaugh probably um <laughs> peter kavanaugh just be, probably just mind your optics <laughs> mind your optics and if you're going to kill a lot of people someone you like probably has to die oh and also, this is something that I've been thinking about a lot with mine, since my population will be isolated and not allowed to return to Earth, because they'll essentially be a new species. Um, you need to be careful about viability. You need a certain number of breeding females and a certain number of males for genetic diversity so you don't inbreed your population into extinction. Keep that in mind. <laughs> I don't know if Chuck was Chuck was a Mountie. He was Canadian Forces, but I don't know that he was a Mountie. His name actually, uh, he didn't even have a first name. Um, his first name was um, Chuck. Is uh, actually the actor's name, and I believe that eventually. Uh, the writers just um, caved to Fannin and made it Chuck. No, no, it's the other way around. His name is Chuck, and the actor's last name is Campbell. Actor's yeah. like, the actor's full name is Chuck Campbell. <laughs> is that RPF? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, it says he's a Canadian member of the Atlanta Expedition holding the rank of sergeant. He was part of the original expedition team. He worked as a technician in the Atlantis control room. He was used to seeing the background of the control room, but after fall, after Peter Gordon's death, he became he took, he took over the running of the gate. He could, if if he was a, it, it, the rank of sergeant that, that does exist in the Mounties, so he could be a Mountie. But he could have also been just Canadian military. But I do think that's probably sort. Fannin. But it's fun, Fannin. <laughs> What's fun, Fannin? That that he's a Canadian Mountie. Yeah, it is fun, Fannin. But I can't believe his his actual real name is Chuck Campbell. But he he doesn't yeah. actually have last name. In canon, he's just Chuck, <laughs> Sergeant Chuck. <laughs> They're so fucking lazy. <laughs> How hard would it have been to give that man a name? <laughs> that does remind me of the story that the actor who plays Chief O'Brien, Miles O'Brien in Star Trek, um, likes to tell, where he was transporter chief for, for many, many episodes. And then suddenly he gets a script where there's a transporter chief named Miles O'Brien. And he gets pissed off because he thinks he's been replaced. <laughs> and like, no, <laughs> they finally named your character. <laughs> they gave you That's a name. I love the character of Miles O'Brien. I was so happy when he went to DS9. I loved it. Yeah. It was very interesting. 
Okay, so did anybody else have any more questions? Because I think we've discussed who to die. You can really kill anybody you want. It's just if you want to be realistic and not have people head tilting at you, um, if you if you have a lot of people die, someone you like is going to have to kick it. It's just you can have one really one or two really big improbabilities um, in a story, but beyond that, you start to really stretch people's credulity. This comes from the same woman who told me I couldn't kill Radic. <laughs> you can't. Not Radic. You're going to have to kill somebody else we like. I'm sorry. <laughs> I am actually killing several people that I like um, and, and a bunch that I don't. <laughs> I mean, that's the great thing about if you have to kill a bunch of people is you can uh, – you can uh, – Chia. Well, Chia is a – Chia. Oh, Chia. Okay. A-Y-A, the glow worm is actually an ancient, so she's already dead, sort of. She ascended. She's an ascended ancient and she, who pretends to yeah, be human. She, she, she's, stuck on her, she's stuck on her planet. If she wants to keep protecting those people, she has to stay where she is. Um, I feel fortunate that I don't really have a story where a bunch of people need to die to accomplish my plot, so... Um, I haven't had to figure out a death toll or anything like that. But, I mean, <laughs> some people, there's going to be some death, but it, it's not going to be, like, a lot of death. So I if I, I can't, I don't have to kill people that I like. I'm looking forward to your story. I plan to use your story to um, reward myself. No pressure. I do that with- <laughs> I often do that with your story, too. It's like, oh, Kira posted, well, if I finish what I'm writing for the day, I can go read it. Uh, Markham, um, Markham dies in canon. Yeah, Markham dies in canon, but Markham lives forever in my heart. So I, um, the only way I could kill Markham is if I kill Stackhouse, because I believe that they're, um, that that they're soulmates. (laughs) They're soulmates, yeah. I agree. Markham, Stackhouse, Um, R.A., um, a match, they're a box set. They come together. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, Markham, since Markham dies in canon without ever getting a name, um, although it is my, um, I always just use the names Kira gives, gives them. Jason, Markham, and Marcus. Jason and Marcus. Yeah. Because I just, I tried to give them different names when I use them in stories, and I just go, no. Nope, nope. Okay. I already I have I have a head cannon. I mean, it's like if somebody supplies a name that really works for you. This is sort of like the Sheriff Zelensky thing. Um, when Cannon, when when the show failed to provide us a name, and everybody started calling him John, it just really worked for me, and it really worked for a lot of people. He looks like a John. It does. I I will grant you, it probably has a lot to do with the Johnny Cage thing, that we look at Lyndon Ashby and we go, yeah, John fits. Why? Because. Whether we're thinking about Mortal Kombat or not, we're going Johnny Cage, John, John Stalinsky. He's a John. Um, I think that so, he got the name of Noah completely out of spite. I think they named oh, him Noah completely out of spite for the it Phantom. Was definitely spite. It was definitely spite. So there are some names that I've seen. I understand. I get it that some people don't like going with the crowd. They want to do their own thing. They supply their own name. 
you do you, you do whatever you want. But I will say it is always jarring for me when I see a story that is not Noah or John. Um, I have a story. I named him John because I've never, I mean, Noah, because I've never written him anyway. So I don't have that uh, that stumble, that mental stumble, or uh, even a headcanon for um, Selinsky. So it doesn't bother me to write him as Noah. But I'd be pissed off if I wrote him all the time. If if I had as much work for Teen Wolf as I say I did for Stargate Atlantis, and then all of a sudden they rename my unicorn, I would be, <laughs> I'd be like, fuck I, you. I'd um, rage quit. Uh, but yeah, with when it comes to when it comes to his name, and some names I can adapt to, like I can I can read some names, but then some names it's like I have a hard I have a hard stop. It's like I see some people doing their thing. It's like his name's going to be Bob, and I'm like, no, nope. it is not going to be Bob. <laughs> I am not reading the story. <laughs> there are a whole bunch because, of stories in Stargate with Evan Lauren having the wrong first name because they didn't give Evan a first name for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And um, so if you go like a race bait, you'll find a fuck ton of stories where his name is not evident. It's like, it's so disconcerting. Um, in the Teen Wolf movie, which starred Michael J. Fox, it's not Styles, it's Giles. Right? Giles is the friend's name. Um... I didn't specifically remember that that was his friend's name. I'm going to go look for the movie. I've heard it before, but I've never actually looked it up. Team Wolf movie, IMDb. Um, the friend no, it's is... No, it's Styles. It's Styles. Played by Jerry Levine. No last name, just the name Styles. One thing I found really that pissed me off about Team Wolf when I first saw it being advertised that, that there was no booth. I was like, seriously? How can you do a Team Wolf with no booth? Fuck that. <laughs> and then I watched it and I was like, thank God there's no booth because Scott's stupid. <laughs> Scott's an idiot. He doesn't deserve a booth. <laughs> he absolutely does not deserve a booth at, a, at all. Styles might have deserved a booth. On IMDb, um, there's only one. It's Styles. Um, they don't have well, the Giles. Styles is his nickname in the show too, so it's the exact same thing. Oh, you mean his real name? Uh, his real name is like Mieszysław or something like that. And they did some really weird, co- complicated. In the Team Wolf because, show, but in yeah, the movie, the I, don't, show, I don't know if they ever mentioned it. Uh, she said, "Well, Dmad saying Giles is his first name, or Giles, Giles. I don't. Giles is his first name. Styles is his nickname. Um, yeah, they mimicked that. I think they were just coming up with a better reason for him to have a nickname like Styles. And one of the reasons why you pick up a an odd nickname is because you have a really bizarre first name, and Giles isn't particularly all that particularly strange. This sounds a little stuffy." Yeah, it 
it's this horrible mango. I had to look up that. It, you would not. I had to look up how to pronounce that, and it's pronounced something like Mietchi sauce. But it, you wouldn't know it to look at how that's spelled. <laughs> yeah, I gave it the. Uh, I gave my gender bender style. Um, that's her middle name. Um, the the female version of that name is her middle name. It has an A on the end. <laughs> like Mietchi Suava or something like that? Yeah. 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 But her so, first name is um, Magdalena. Right. I figure if I say that name like 50 times, eventually it won't seem weird, but it's never, I don't know. I'm never going to say it 50 times in a row because somebody might commit me. What, that or my name? Whether it's Mietchi Suava or Mietchi Suava, it's the same thing. It comes out <laughs> oh, odd. I thought you said the Magdalena part. I was like, well, that's actually a Polish name, and it seems reasonable. <laughs> no, Magdalena's fine. Although I'm really enamored with Magda. Um, I want to finish that story eventually. I'm, I, I really enjoyed writing it, even though um, I have absolutely no respect whatsoever for whatever Team Wolf canon that I know. <laughs> It might as well be an original story. <laughs> Fuck all that. <laughs> I had thought of a story called Little Mischief. Um, but I could see how if that was your name, why you would think your name was Mischief. No, there were more gods. You guys get your head out. If you've got so... so Focused on Loki, it's like there are more gods of mischief than Loki. I had a very annoying plotting session with somebody around Loki at one point, and I have just had it up to my eyeballs with him. I've had it up to my eyeballs with it. Ooh, you mean from Xena? Yeah, but yeah, this is what happens is you have a really horrible person who is played by a hot guy, and it's like people forget that he's really awful. <laughs> yeah, you gotta pretty much um, acknowledge that that Loki uh, committed mass murder, and um, he he's just. Um, you can give reasons for that, and you can kind of swipe it away. But in canon, he's a monster. Even if he does try to, to I mean, even if he does die trying to kill Thanos, um, it it doesn't erase his last act was good, but it doesn't erase all the bad he did. <laughs> no, I mean, if you if you want to write a Loki thing, give him give some the. It, yes, it's a trope, and it might you might feel like it's overdone, but the reason it's done a lot is because it makes sense, which is if you want to write Loki as not being sort of villainous, which is that he was being mind-controlled, that he was brainwashed by Thanos before he was sent to Earth. I actually talked to somebody who didn't want to use that as their plot device because they said it's been done too many times. I was like, well, it's been done a lot because it makes sense. Well, one of the things and that I saw, and I don't know how true it is, I haven't gone back to watch the Avengers since, is that apparently Loki has blue eyes in the Avengers, just like Clint did when he was under Loki's thrall. I didn't see them being that blue. That I mean, I I looked, I did watch the Avengers after that, and after I thought about that, and 
I didn't see them being that weird blue that you saw in um, – they are blue, but I didn't see them being that weird blue that we saw in Hawkeye or um, Eric's eyes. Um, but that sort of weird – Loki's eyes aren't blue in Thor. Well, if you there is there were some discussions about some, I did read some discussion threads about it. Loki's eyes are green in the comics, but I think that they are intendedly intended them to be blue in the movie was sort of the vibe I got from reading. But it was very difficult to um, get a straight answer on whether or not he was because there actually were several discussion threads and. Um, some of the movie producers have been asked about his eye color, um, and there was like no real clear answer about were his eyes a different color when he was before he got basically had his cognitive recalibration. Um, the Hulk smash. But there's nothing. <laughs> I will say there's nothing in the movie that would contradict that theory, which is why it is a good theory. Is that he was under the effect of the Mind Stone as much as anybody else that he used the scepter on. So, and also, it needs to be pointed out is after he was Hulk smashed and he was taken back to Asgard, even when he tricked Thor and faked his death, all he really did was stick around Asgard and pretend to be well, yeah, and he, and he dumped his dad on Earth and raised his memory. But he was just being Loki. He he wasn't being a megalomaniac trying to take over a whole planet. Right. He was just trying Nothing to be king he, of Asgard, which was the whole thing he wanted to do to begin with. Right. So it it is it's some some things that become a, a fanon trope, they become that and they become used a lot because they make a lot of sense. So trying to reinvent the wheel with something um, that makes less sense because you're trying to be original, that's just shooting yourself in the foot, and I have zero sympathy for you. Look. Being original doesn't mean you're useful. <laughs> no. Or entertaining. Your story, if your story could be the most original thing out there, but if it doesn't make any sense, doesn't hold together, doesn't have internal consistency, who cares how original it is? Nobody's going to want to read it because you failed the basic suspension of disbelief test. So... um and if you don't try to give any reason for Loki's actions, then he's a terrible person and you failed the basic decency test and I'm still not going to read it. But I mean, <laughs> some people want to, some people still want, some people want to read about someone who is unapologetically awful. There is a big audience for that. I appreciate so, it, to be frank, but um, I, like the, I, like the, I like the author to own it. Yes, but exactly. Get in and own it. And don't pair him up with someone who is not morally ambiguous. Because you, if you take someone who is unapologetically awful and keeps trying to take over the world and murder people, and you pair them up with someone who is um, fundamentally opposite of that, yes, then you're calling the characterization of your um, person who's your good guy, who is the opposite of someone like Loki, um, you're calling it into question. Is you're making their characterization improbable? Um, I'm just saying. 
interesting things that I saw happen in Fanon, even after um, we saw Captain America, uh, first, the, the first Avenger, and we saw him in Avengers, is that people b- before the um, before the uh, the Civil War, they they kind of wrote uh, Captain America as some paragon of virtue. The dude lied repeatedly to the federal government in order to get into the army. <laughs> then he agreed to, frankly, a horrifying body experiment to stay in the army. He disobeyed orders repeatedly. <laughs> he was an asshole from the start. Now, the thing is, is, I happen to like Captain America. I don't like how what what they did with the character in Civil War. That's why I never watched it. I did read the summer. I I did read the um, synopsis of of Civil War. It pissed me off. I'll never watch the movie. Um, and they lost I do me. feel like uh, his the, character has been twisted up. Just just too much twisting. They lost me at Winter Soldier. Um. With the because computer thing gave, and him dumping all that data and yeah, he basically yeah. burned the entire agency and the hundreds of assets out in the field because of his hate on for Hydra. And he, and he, he didn't even a, understand what he was doing. Yeah. I don't think. I don't. I I actually do agree. He probably didn't understand, which makes Natasha's behavior even worse because I feel like she was exploiting his ignorance. Um, but it's not like he has, but if, if he didn't understand, he should have had some, I think if he'd ever actually had a moment of understanding about what he had done, it would have, it would have broken him if, if they'd kept him in character, that he had burned all of those people. But they basically made his hate on for Hydra, um, become a a form of evil in, in and of itself, because he did a lot of really moral, morally questionable things because it was in the interest of, and not even morally, because yes, sometimes the good guys do morally questionable things, trying to, de- but he did morally questionable things for a good guy, trying to defeat a Nazi kind of regime. I mean, you just, you just don't do that. You just the things he did is a whole no secrets thing. It also made him look absurdly naive. But what Marvel's biggest failing is they expect us to watch these characters do these fucked up things um, and then ignore it for the next movie. Like that line in the Infinity War when Rhodey is arguing with Ross about um, the others being criminals and him telling Ross they're only criminals because you say so. Really? That's the only reason? That's the only reason they're criminals. How many people did Steve and Bucky kill when they collapsed that underground tunnel tunnel thing? And the only reason they're criminals is because Ross said so? Really? I don't think so. (laughs) 
Yeah, the whole, the whole. But even if I was not like mystified uh, by Captain America from the Winter Soldier, which is when I just I was I, he, he, I was I had already started disliking Natasha by that point. But I just I threw up my hands on her with her. Um, I stopped wanting a Black Widow movie. Up until that point, yeah. I was like, I was all in for a Black Widow movie. And then after that, I was like, nope. Which I think was exactly no. what they wanted. I think Marvel wanted to ruin that for us, and they did. So, because mm-hmm. you don't really see people asking for a Black Widow movie anymore, do you? No. But then they, you know, Karen and I had, we, we talked about Unicorn. And my fandom Unicorn is totally, um, Tony Zanozo. My Unicorn, fictional character Unicorn, is Bruce Banner slash David Banner. Um and as a result, Age of Ultron nearly made me just hate the Marvel Cinematic Universe because of the, what they did to Bruce in that story with zero repercussions for the people who did it to him. Both the Scarlet Witch and Scarlet Witch mind-raped Bruce slash and, and it never comes up again. Well, she also did it to Tony. She, yeah, she did it to Tony too. But Bruce... She forced Bruce to to become the thing he feared, which was a killer. And she made every fear he had about Hulk a reality. And there were no repercussions. She was allowed to be joined the team. She was basically a Nazi, and she was allowed to join the team. And then Natasha utterly betrayed. She forced the Hulk on on Bruce. Not in the same way, but same thing. It's basically a form of rape. She forced that on him. Um, when he said no, he said no, and she forced him. And I was like, I – and no repercussions. And Steve's team rides off into the sunset after Civil War, including Natasha, looking like the good guys somehow. And they come in into Infinity War like these you know, crusaders just waiting for the world to – get their heads on straight and realize that they're needed. And I just, I found that so offensive, so offensive. The thing is, is the ramifications of Natasha's betrayal resonate throughout Thor Ragnarok. Because when Thor finds the Hulk, he's been the Hulk since the moment that Natasha pushed Bruce off that ledge. Mm-hmm. And you could, you know, you can say that the Hulk, what, you're, what, what really happened there is the thing is, is that when the Hulk would stop being angry, Bruce would resurface. Now, the Hulk's been on this planet for a year or more, and he's fighting these battles. He has an apartment. He's walking around in a fucking kilt. The Hulk's calmed down. He's having conversations. He has a friend. He's, fuck, he, he's calm as fuck, and Bruce isn't coming up. Bruce was hiding because the woman he thought he was in love with betrayed him. It wasn't the Hulk just taking over and not letting go. Because the Hulk never did that. Bruce didn't try to come back. Curled up in the Hulk and stayed there the way the Hulk normally did Bruce. When Natasha walked in that room... In Infinity War, Bruce should have hulked out and ripped her fucking head off. Scarlet Witches too. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. I got no. I completely agree. 
obviously I got issues. Now I got issues it, for the it, Hulk anyway because I, I think the Hulk's basically a child, and um, I just I could stomp a mud hole in Scarlet Witch and walk it dry. Yes, there were a lot of uh, there's a lot of stuff that contributed to Ultron that had nothing to do with Bruce and Tony. Um, yes, the hammer was involved. Um, yes, Wanda's manipulations likely played a huge part. Um, the Mind Stone played a, played a part. So there was a lot going on in, and yes, it, it is in the movie. Yet it was just Tony's fault. But it was very. Um, I there's nothing that's going to happen in the final chapter of this first round of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, going through this first, of, you know, going through the sequel to Infinity War, whatever that's called. Um, there's nothing that's going to happen that, that is going to satisfy me in terms of this one big gaping problem uh, around what they did to Bruce. Um, and, oh yeah, I agree. I, somebody said that, that Natasha's character was ruined when she stabbed Tony in Civil War, stabbed Tony in the back in Civil War, because she did betray in there. But I... I wouldn't have expected anything else from her based upon what happened in Age of Ultron. So, um, if she looked Bruce in the face and said, I love you, then pushed him off that fucking ledge. And I'm like, you goddamn sociopath. I was, I was done. Which is why I went from treating her in stories I had plotted. Cause I have, I have, I have MCU stories I'd never quite gotten around to completely writing. I'd either started on them or had just plotted or whatever from way back when the first movie was released. And any of those I would ever revisit, I would have to adjust what I did with Natasha because I, I would not have her be an active member of the Avengers in any movie that I write and any, any enough movie, any story that I write because I just, I, I would, I just can't stand what they've what done they with do with that character in canon. Well, I think that even in the comic book canon, that she eventually betrays um, the Avengers. I think ultimately yeah, but... Natasha works for Nick Fury, and um, that's what it boils down to. Yeah, and that's it. She's a very yeah. ugly side of Nick Fury's corn, coin, and... Um, she probably views him somewhat as her savior because uh, he let her come into S.H.I.E.L.D. after the Red Room and whatever he wants. You want me to try so to much more Captain America so we can uh, control him better? Sure, I'll kiss him and try to be his special friend only to get friend-zoned. And literally, <laughs> he friend-zoned her in the car. <laughs> We can be friends. <laughs> and then turns around and says, well, if you can't control Captain America, how about you try to go tro- control the the rage monster instead? Because everybody knows that the Hulk has a soft spot for whatever woman is in Bruce's life. I'm just saying. No, I I can I can I, can, Tony, I, can I have to I have to go back. I, I can't. I have to. Um, yeah. I 
would not watch. I would not read any story set after Age of um, Ultron. No, no matter the pairing, really. Which is kind of funny. But well, I've, I've read stories. I've read. I read quite a lot of stories set after Civil War, but I would never read a Tony Steve story set after Age of Ultron, and certainly not set after Civil War. Um, no. I, that's just utterly bizarre to me. The idea of a Steve Tony pairing after that movie. Um, so I still, I still, I still ship it, kinda. Not like I did, um, but it, I prefer my Steve Tony to be after the first Avengers movie. I prefer to even get it before what I Winter would Soldier say, happened. Um, after Winter Soldier, uh, it's impossible for me to ship Steve and Tony after Winter Soldier because it is clear, it is perfectly clear at the end of Winter Soldier that no one will come first before Bucky Barnes. Ever. And that's not a healthy relationship to be in. No. Because Steve is 100% all about Barnes. And that means that, I mean, granted, it's platonic in canon, but it's a creepy kind of platonic. (laughs) It's a very, canon has made it a very obsessional, um, obsessional bond that they have even if it's platonic they've made it very obsessional and I just wouldn't want to be I mean I wouldn't want a character in a relationship with Steve where Bucky was running around because you would never feel like you were um, a priority in that relationship it's just it'd be but it might have been different if they had been introduced in a different circumstance, if if Bucky had come back to to Steve healthy and in his own mind, um, when he wasn't, um, where Steve couldn't perceive him as a as a victim of persecution, where he could just say, "Oh hell, hey, here's my friend back." Thank you know, thank fuck for that. Um, it would have been different, I think. So I think if you wrote it where like I, I had that plot buddy that I threw out in, into the chat room um, a couple of podcasts ago. Like, well, what if Bucky recognized Howard Stark and it woke him up and he didn't kill Tony's parents? And Howard and Maria brought home the Winter Soldier <laughs> and took care of him. And so he kind of became Tony's big brother. <laughs> Instead of the murderer of his parents. And so that Bucky Barnes meeting a recently thought out Steve would be an entirely different animal for both of them. Yeah. He'd be he'd be Steve's touch, touch, touchstone, but he would also help Steve acclimate to his new circumstances. And it would be a, and it could be a potentially very healthy um, friendship. I think Vision and Wanda is creepy. It's, yeah, I mean, I just, I might, I don't think she can mind control him. I actually don't think that's possible. Um, but if he didn't have those protections from the Mind Stone, if he hadn't had the Mind Stone in his head, I actually, that would be my jump, my 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 first thought at seeing an abusive, 
a relationship that went that violent come back together was that there's brainwashing involved. She's using magic to control him. But because it's vision, I, you can't really go there. I don't think she can actually brainwash him with the Mind Stone. But if it had been anybody else, I'd have assumed brainwashing. But now I, I question you know, his emotional intelligence and age. Yes, I, 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 it does feel like she's in a relationship with this, someone who's basically an emotional child. Which is a common theme in the MCU. Anyways, we're down to 37 seconds. You guys have a great evening. We'll see you probably on Friday night. Say good night, Jilly. Good night, everyone. <laughs>